this. When I'm, uh, uh, when I'm driving, uh, in the car, Reed and I are together and a song comes on that's got a good, uh, good bass beat to it or, or a good drum beat to it, I, I, I drum along on the steering wheel and, and usually my wife will elbow me or smack my hand or yell at me. I don't know if that happens to any of the rest of you, but, but when I'm doing that, just, just kind of see if there's anyone else like, when I'm doing that, in my mind, I'm like Bobby on that song. I mean, I'm playing those drums and I'm just doing that riff all the way over. The reality is I sat behind, uh, I don't know if I should confess this. I sat behind his drum set one day when no one was over here. It didn't sound anything like what he does. So, uh, just so you know, does anyone here know who Claro Wilson is? Does anyone know who Claro Wilson? No one? I think you do. Claro was 16 years old and he was tired of being in, uh, in foster care and going from foster home to foster home and, 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 uh, from reform home, reform home to reform home. And, uh, and so he lied about his age and joined the U.S. Air Force. Uh, uh, he was blessed with a, uh, as people would describe him, a nonstop personality. And he loved, he loved to entertain people. He loved to make people laugh. He loved to say things that would just, that was, were just so out there that, to make people laugh. In fact, it, it, he did it so much that some of the people that he was in the Air Force with made this comment about him. They would say, Claro, you are flipped out. Now, does anyone now know who I'm talking about? Uh, he, he went on later to, uh, to become an entertainer, started out small in, in nightclubs, uh, with the comedy act and then eventually ended up on television. Some of you, and there's still going to be a lot of you like, I know, I don't know who this guy is. Know who he is. His name, we know him by Flip Wilson. Um, and so some of you kids can ask your parents or grandparents and they'll tell you who, who he was. But one of his most famous characters was a character named Geraldine Jones. Uh, he would dress up like a lady with this red wig and, and do these things, and when when they were done, he would make this comment. What what was it? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. His act caught on, and, and maybe particularly with that particular character, uh, it caught on with his fans because they recognized the reality. Uh, I shouldn't say they; it's we, because I I was uh, one of them. Uh, we, we recognized that 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 or that line because there was some reality to it there was some some thinking that mirrored our own thinking that when we make a mistake when we mess up when we when we get caught when we sin when we've done something wrong we we immediately think uh let's make an excuse the devil made me do it or something else we, we might say it's not my fault i didn't do it it's no big deal i couldn't help it it's none of your business no one will ever know he did it too every Everyone else is doing it's just it's just a small thing, no big deal. Or or maybe we say the devil made me do it, or even worse, even even worse, maybe we say uh, it's God's fault. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of James. In fact, I want to be encouraging you over the the next several weeks to be reading the book of James. An easy read, five short chapters. You can sit down and and in just a couple minutes read a chapter a day, or if you want to devote a, a whole 15 minutes, you can read the whole book. So let me encourage you to be doing that. We get a little bit further along, I'm going to start asking people to raise their hand, and and I'd love to some Sunday just have the whole church raise their hand and say, yep, I've read the book of James. So we're in in the book of James. We started there last week, 
so, so find yourself in James chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back uh, in, in front of you. Uh, now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a first century Christian because this book was written to that group of people. They were first century Christians. You haven't been a Christian for very long, uh, but in the short time that you follow Jesus, in the for, short time that you've been a Christ follower, it's not been easy. It, it, it's been a little bit dip, difficult. It didn't start off that way. In fact, when you first became a follower of Jesus, it was amazing. I mean, things were things were were unbelievably great when you first started believing. For the first time in your life, things kind of made sense. You felt a wholeness, a completeness that you never felt before. You experienced joy like you never felt before. You you sensed a love uh, for for yourself, uh, a love from God, a love for others. You realized that you were forgiven and your life had purpose. Maybe maybe you had actually seen Jesus. You you were from Jerusalem, so maybe you had actually seen him in the temple one day and 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 sat at his feet, or maybe just stood in the back of the crown as he talked. And you you, you realize, man, there's something different about that guy, uh, and and that same Jesus that you saw. Maybe you heard stories. You heard stories of miracles, and you thought, man, he must be some someone special. But then that same Jesus, maybe you saw him as he was led through the streets of Jerusalem with the big old cross on his back, and maybe you walked by and looked up on that hill of Golgotha, and you saw three crosses there, and you recognized that center cross, the guy hanging on that cross as Jesus. But but then you heard a message. Then you heard one of his followers talking that this Jesus that you had heard before and you had seen crucified had come back to life. Maybe it was maybe it was Peter that had 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 talked about him, or John, or Matthew, or or one of the other ones, and. And they talked about how Jesus had rose from the grave victorious and that he had taken our sin and dealt with it. And all you had to do, all you needed to do was simply to be believe, to trust Jesus, to call on him, to be baptized, and everything would be taken away. All your sins, all your guilt, all your, all your frustrations would be taken away and you'd experience refreshing in your spirit. You'd receive the Holy Spirit. So, so, so if you were that first Christian, first century Christian, it started out amazing. If you're one of the people that James wrote to, it, it was something else. Thousands of people were coming to Jesus. You, you couldn't, couldn't get done with your day's work quick enough so that you could go find a meeting that was taking place at one of the homes of, of the believers and listen to the apostles talk about Jesus. You found your life turned upside down and changed because of Jesus. You you actually were serving other people and caring about other people and sharing your newfound faith, but but all of that changed. It it, it happened in a flash, in an instant. Th- this guy named Stephen, and you'd you'd seen Stephen, you had heard about him, you knew that he was a pretty cool guy, and, and he made sure that that the widows were fed and taken care of. And and one day Stephen got up and talked about Jesus, and it really ticked off the religious leaders, and they took him uh, and right in the middle of the street, they started throwing stones at him, and they they killed him, and that that sparked a persecution like you had no idea. You, you had no idea that people would get that angry and that upset, and and so now things had changed. This this idyllic life, this beautiful life you were living in Jerusalem as a Christ follower, suddenly changed 
and you found yourself living outside of the city. You had fled to, to, to uh, Samaria or maybe up to Galilee or maybe even further north, uh, north of Israel and, and were hiding there, uh, living in a, a cloud of uncertainty, not sure if one day Saul of Tarsus, who, who later would become Paul that wrote so much in the New Testament, would show up at your doorstep to erase, to, to arrest you. And, and then one day as you gather, maybe it was on a Sunday, maybe it was on a Wednesday, maybe it was on a Tuesday afternoon, but the church comes together and you hear the word that, that, that the church has received a letter, that James, the oldest brother of Jesus, he was younger than Jesus, but his oldest, next, next oldest sibling, the, the brother of Jesus, James, had written a letter to you. To, to your church, and he was gonna, was gonna tell you what you needed to know. So, so with excitement, you show up, you're ready to hear the words of James. You like James, cause you'd heard James talk, you'd, James had told stories about when Jesus was little. James had even shared that, that when Jesus first started his ministry, he didn't even believe him. He thought James, that Jesus was crazy, but, but then he, then he began to believe, and so he shared his conversion story with you, and it was powerful. So, so when you heard the word that James had written a letter, you were excited. And, and an elder stands up one Sunday morning, and he begins to, to read the word of, uh, of James. And, and he starts off this way. So if you have your Bibles, uh, look with me in James, and we're, we're going to do just a quick review from last week. Uh, the very first verse says, James, the servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Now, now for us that may not mean much, but as a first century believer, you would have known exactly what he's talking about. You would have known he's talking to me. He's he's talking to me as a, as a Jew, but a Jew that's believed in him, that's been scattered, that's that's had to run for his life, and 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 immediately you you would have just had a warm feeling come over. You would have would have had some excitement, like wow, James is talking. To me, he, he understands what I'm going through. And, uh, and, and then the text goes on. Remember what we talked about last week? Verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I, 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 I've got to believe before the elder who was reading that could even get to the next verse, there was someone. There was someone that raised their hand. Hang, hang on just a second. It sounded like you said, and maybe my hearing's not as good as it used to be, but it sounds like you said I'm supposed to count it joy when I'm going through trials. Now, remember, we pointed out last week that all the ones there were going through trials. They, they had, they'd had to flee because of their faith in Jesus. So, and their life was a, a living trial. And now, now James is saying, surely you, you, you read that wrong or I heard that wrong. But the elder who had already read the, the text before and had already kind of worked through it himself said, no, that's not what it says. But, but it does go on and, and tell us that it will produce maturity in our life. Uh, and, and, and if we don't understand it, then that's all right. Just pray, and God's going to give you some, some mercy. God's going to give you wisdom to understand it. So, so your mind's kind of reeling. Like, what is James talking about? But he, he gets through that section, and, and it kind of ends in verse 12. We didn't talk a lot about that last week, but it ends in verse 12 with kind of a blessing. Because, in fact, it says that blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will see the crown of life. So finally, some good news. Finally, some hope. And, and then we get to what James talks about next. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. Let me read verses 13 through 18. And let's, 
Let's see what James has for today. Let's see the truths that he's going to share with us. When tempted, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Don't don't look at it the wrong way. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. James, James here uses the same Greek word in verse 13 that he used in verse 2. In verse 13, it's translated temptation. In verse 2, it's translated trials. And, and we, we, we get the different translations based on the context where it's at. But, but that Greek word, periosmos, is the word that we get, in English, we get the word pirate from. Uh, it has the idea of an attacker or to be attacked. Uh, so James has tossed some pretty heavy stuff out here. He's, he said, count of joy when you have trials. Now, now what he's, what he's saying there is not that we're supposed to be happy that we have trials. Not, not, we're not to be thrilled because we have trials. Instead, that, that we're able to look back, most likely we're able to look back and realize after the fact that there was joy in those trials because of what God did for us, because God grew us and, and brought us to maturity. Plus, we get a crown of righteousness from, from uh, standing up under it. So, so again, imagine you're a first century Christian and, and you've come to hear words of encouragement. You, you think surely James is going to tell us things to pat us on the back. James is going to say, hey, it's going to get better. Uh, hang in there. You can do it. And, and he starts off, you count of joy when you have trials. But he switches gears. And the next thing he says, the next thing he says, well, when tempted. So, so the obvious thing that comes from that, it, it's inferred, well, not really inferred, it's stated, we will be tempted. That's truth number one. You, you'll notice as you read James, or if you've already read it, you're going to see this. James doesn't beat around the bush. James doesn't, uh, James doesn't kind of uh, veil things in, in, in secret words or, or just kind of make innuendo. James just tells it like it is and and that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to, we're going to look at four of those truths. Here's the first one. We will be tempted. Now, now let me ask, this is, this is a tough question. So I don't know if any of you are going to be brave enough to answer it out loud uh, or not. But uh, he says, when you are tempted. So we're going to be tempted. Does anyone, does anyone want to make a stab at what you think James was talking about? What, what temptation do you think the, the, the church that he's writing to, the group of Christians that have scattered because of persecution. Do any of you have a guess at at the temptation they were facing? Does anyone want to make a stab at that? Now, there's no wrong answer here, so so feel feel free to throw an answer. There's no wrong answer. There's only one really good answer. Huh? See, when you sit on the front row, when you sit on the front row, there's just certain wisdom that comes. Jason, you were going to say the same thing, weren't you? Yeah, it's, it's that front row is what... Well, it gets it. now when we think temptation, Bobby, were you getting that, or were you like, okay, <laughs> he wants to move? <laughs> when when we think temptation, we think we think automatically we think of our weaknesses. Well, wh- what what's my 
what's my area of weakness? Well, my, my area of weakness may be uh, I have trouble controlling my tongue. Um, it's good to know because James is going to talk about that later. Maybe my, my, my weakness deals with uh, losing my temper and having anger. Well, good news, James is going to talk about that later on. Maybe it deals with pride. That's my weakness. Well, you guessed it. James is going to talk about that later on. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's attitude. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe our temptation is just chocolate. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, but I, but I think what, what James is talking here, Jim nailed it. The, the temptation they were faced with was to, to deny Jesus. Now, now I think they were tempted by lust and anger and, and controlling their tongue. I know that because James talks about all that stuff. They're just like us. We have all those temptations as well, but, but I think James, coupled with, with the context, we're, we're in the context here of, 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 of they are suffering trials, and James says, hey, consider it joy, and, and right on the, the heels of that, he says, hey, when, when you're tempted, uh, don't, don't blame God for it. I, I think the temptation they were facing was the temptation to, to doubt God. The temptation to, the temptation to say, you know, I wish I could go back to where I was. I wish life could be like it used to be. Maybe that temptation we're faced with is, is man, I longed for life before I knew Jesus. Because before I knew Jesus, man, it was good. I didn't have to face this stuff. And and, and so. He, <laughs> Instead of throwing words of encouragement, and James will encourage us in this book. I, I don't don't want you to miss that. But, but before that, he says, "When tempted, no one should say." And and here's the second proof: no one should say God. No one can say God is the one that tempts me. Have uh, and, and you don't have to answer, but just answer this out loud. But just think about: it. Have you ever, have you ever thought that God tempted you? Have you ever have you ever just kind of said to yourself or wondered aloud, you know, God, why are you tempting me? Uh, I answer that question for myself, and I don't think I ever have. I, I don't think I've ever said, God, you're tempting. Now, I may say, God, you're testing me. That's a whole other sermon because God sometimes will discipline us and put us through tests. But I don't think that God has ever tempted me. And James points that out. No one can say God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Let me illustrate it. Uh, this way have you ever gone out to eat with uh, some friends maybe you've gone out with another couple or maybe uh, maybe two other couples and 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 you order your food you've ordered you weren't really hungry so you ordered a hamburger and french fries and and, and the other people got various other items and 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 the the lady comes out with the tray and she sets it down on that that little little thing she sits there and she starts handing the trays out and she sets your hamburger and french fries right in front of you and it looks good and it smells good but but in front of the in front of your wife, she sets down the chicken Alfredo. Uh, and, and in front of someone else, she sets down some lasagna. And someone else, uh, another guy, set down a steak. And suddenly you start looking at their food. And you're like, I wish I'd ordered that. Now, if you're like me, my wife doesn't have a very big appetite. So if she ordered, if it's her food I want, I usually... Uh, I usually can just hang around. I usually can just go, let's be honest, I just take my fork over there and, and I get a taste of that, which sometimes is worse because then you're like, oh, I wish I'd have got that. But, but I, if I'm patient, then she'll, she'll not eat it all. But we, we, were, we, were, we were somewhere the other day and, and she ate it all. I was like, I, 
I ate mine, and I'm like, hey, it's, I, I, and I, I eat fast. I mean, I just cram it down, and I'm like, no big deal. I'm going to have a little snack when she's done eating half of her sandwich. And, and I look over, and she's, she ate the whole thing. I mean, that's just, that just rude, honey, just rude. But uh, so, so you've been there before. You've been there before. Now contrast that. Contrast that with this. It's Thanksgiving dinner, uh, and you've helped your wife. For sake of argument, you've helped your wife cook the dinner. Um, it's Thanksgiving dinner, and and there's a turkey on the table, and there's a ham, and there's potatoes and green beans and uh, um, cranberry sauce, whether it's the real stuff or the can that you know jiggles when you, whichever one you want. I don't like any of it, so I don't care. Uh, but but all the fixings are there. I mean, you got turkey, you got white meat, and and dark meat, and I mean, it is all laid out there. Every bit, everything that you want at Thanksgiving is on that table. What do you, what do you get to eat? Now, this has never happened. Never. Well, sometimes when I'm cutting the ham or turkey, I get yelled at for eating it. But, but, but once it's out there, Rita has never, if I reach over to get a piece of ham, slap my hand and said, no, you said you wanted turkey. Because the truth is, all of it, it's all out there and I can have it all. I mean, that, that's the difference between someone else's meal and, and in Thanksgiving when it's all for you. Well, other people too, but, but you get to have all of it. Now, now, here's the point. God made it all. God owns it all. God put it all into order. God sustains it all. There is, there is nothing that God can be tempted with. God cannot be tempted by evil. Oh. He does not tempt us. So it, it would have been easy, Jim, for the early early church when they were struggling. And, and, their, and part of their temptation was, man, I, I, I wish I didn't follow Jesus. I wish my life wasn't so hard. I, I'm gonna, I, I feel tempted to turn my back on Him. It, it would be easy for them to say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you tempting me? See, God doesn't tempt us. Are you hearing that? the 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 opposite is The opposite is true. The, the reality is, God is there with us, beside us. He's our advocate, and He is trying to sustain us and lead us from temptation. In First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen, probably a verse you have underlined in your Bibles. If you don't underline it, because it's a powerful verse. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So in other words, there's no new temptations. We've all, all of us have, have, have been tempted with that before. But it says this, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way so that you can stand up under it. God always provides a way for us out of the temptation if we're willing to to look for it. So, so instead of God tempting us, he doesn't. God is there to lead us out. Uh, it's been a, about a year and a half ago. Well, well, no, probably, I guess just a year ago. Uh, I asked Rita, and this happens once a year, I asked Rita to help me mow. Uh, I asked her if she would, would help me mow. I was mowing a, a, a friend's yard that I, I mow for them, and, and uh, it was short on time. If she would help me mow, I could weed eat and we get it done that much faster. And, and usually about once a year, Rita most uh, helps me know. And so, so she, she agreed. And so I'm weeding away and I look up and I notice something behind me and here comes Rita walking up behind me. 
And I should know better because every time I ask her, most something happens. Uh, she high sent the mower on the water meter. She two years ago she broke it. Uh, it really wasn't her fault, but it, something broke, and 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 so, so so I see her and I'm like, oh no. And I look back and she's got the mower stuck in a ditch. I, I don't know why. I don't even mow the ditch like she was trying to mow it. She always stays away, but it was high centered, stuck down in this ditch. Now I want to tell you something. I didn't. I didn't ask her mow to mow, hoping that she would get stuck. Now I think maybe she stuck and she breaks my mower, so I won't ask her to mow. Now that that's my conspiracy theory, but uh, but here's what I did. I walked over to her, and I have a zero turn, and those aren't always easy to get unstuck if you've got them high centered on something. But I went over to that ditch and I tugged and pushed and pulled, and I finally got it undone. And, and then I said, okay, honey, here's, here's what you do. Stay away from all of this. Just I'll, You get here, and I'll get the rest. Not only does God not tempt us, God wants to deliver us from temptation. Uh, now, catch this. Here, here's what I expect next. If, if, I were, if I was James, if I was writing this letter, and I'm trying to encourage people that are going through temptation, Here's what I'd say next. I, 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 I would have, I probably wouldn't have said what he said this, thus far, but I, hey, hey, no temptation is, is from God. God doesn't tempt you. And here's the next thing I would say. It's the devil that tempts you. That mean old devil, I tell you, that dazzly devil, he's the one that tempts you. That's what I would say next. Uh, have you read ahead? Do you know what the passage says? Uh, look at verse 14. But each one is tempted when Are you seeing that? When, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed, then after desire is conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, brings, uh, uh, gives birth to, to death. It's not Satan. I, I thought it was Satan that tempted me. But, but it's me? Now, now, I, I want to throw this out. I want to make this note just so we don't understand. Satan does tempt. Okay, don't, don't miss that. Uh, he tempted Adam and Eve. He said, hey, you eat that fruit, you're going to know everything. He was right. They did. But that wasn't theirs to know. First um, Peter 5, 8, 9 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. To devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Satan's out there. He's prowling around. He's, he wants to get us. Even James, a little bit later on in his book, chapter seven or chapter four, verse seven, says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Satan does tempt us. But James points out here, we're tempted. And, and here's the root because Satan doesn't have any power if, if this isn't there. When by our own evil desire, the Greek has the idea there of appetite. When, when I have an appetite for something, I'm dragged away and enticed. That, that, those words, those Greek words have the idea of a, uh, of a, of a trap or a snare. If you're trying to trap a bird, so, so baiting a trap or trying to lure a bird into a snare that you can catch it or, or, or trying to lure a fish to a, to a line. It has that idea. Uh, we are, dragged away if we are by our own desire wanting that that's our appetite 
See, see, our temptation is to say the devil made me do it. It's not my fault. Or, or even worse, God made me do it. But, but it's me. It's me. When I was in eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, it was the last day before Christmas break. We we were uh, we we had some downtime. I, you know, it's last day for for Christmas break. The teachers are, you know, they're hiding because the kids are crazy. I, so our teacher wasn't in. Room. I don't know where she was, but she wasn't in the room. And Jim German, I don't know why he was out of the room, but he comes running back to our room. Uh, Jim's my uh, second cousin. Jim comes running in. And he says, and I can't remember the teacher's name, but I'll say Miss Jones just for, for sake of argument. Miss Jones is giving away candy canes. Man, I'm all, I'm all about getting a free candy cane. So, so myself and about five or six of us jumped up, even though there's something that didn't sound quite right about that. We jumped up and ran down the, Miss, Miss Jones was the special ed teacher and she had her room and on, on her door she had candy canes and under, uh, or above each candy cane was the name of one of her students. And, 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 but they were taped there. And so we run down there. Sure enough, there's candy canes and Jim's like, come on. And so we go down there. And I don't remember which kid's name I grabbed the candy cane under, but I, I took that candy cane. And so we're all sitting, we're all sitting in our room, classroom about five minutes later, sucking on a candy cane because you can get away with that the day before Christmas break. And, and the principal comes walking in and, and said something like, well, who took the candy canes? Uh, I wanted, you know, what do you do with a candy cane? You know, you uh, pretty obvious who the, the ones with the candy canes in their mouth were guilty. And I mean, he read us the riot act for stealing her candy canes. The teacher was in tears because those candy canes were for her special students. So she had saved them. They looked forward to it. At the end of the day, they're good. And, and you know what I said? Anyone want to guess? If you're saying Jim made me do it, you're right. That was my first. Well, Jim said, even though, like I said, it didn't sound right at the beginning, and to pull pull that candy cane off with a name above it, just I, I knew it it didn't sound right, but, but you know, here's, here's the reality. And I, I see it there in verse 14 by my own evil desire, by my own appetite. You know why I did it? Because I wanted a candy cane. I wanted a candy cane. So, I I don't know if there's encouragement there, but there's just reality. There's reality. James tells us that uh, that we're going to be tempted. But it's not God. It's on me. But, this is the section. We'll stop there. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might become a kind of first fruits of all He created. Here's, here's the truth. We can win. We can win over those temptations. So, so whether it's the temptation to to throw the towel in and say I don't I'm not going to follow you Jesus anymore John you guys can come on up I, it, it may be the temptation to to give in to a weakness man I I want to say what I want to say that person ticked me off and I want to I want to give them a piece of my mind or, 
or or maybe it's to let our mind run a, a direction that we know we shouldn't let it go or or whatever it might be i i want to do that but the reality is we can we can win some people uh some people don't like this i i i i'm the opposite i i do I, I love watching sports, and and there there is a certain thrill of of watching the game go down to the final minutes. Maybe a basketball game that's t- the seconds are ticking away, and you've got the ball down two points. Are you going to hit a three to t- to win it, or two to tie it, or or will you make the shot? The, the the football game, you're down you're down by four. You have to have a touchdown. It's fourth and goal, and 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 the ball is snapped. There, there's some excitement in that. Will will we win? Will we lose? Man, I'm all about that. But you, you know, you know what I enjoy more than that. I enjoy watching that game, already knowing that we won. Not not quite as much tension there, is there? I love watching, knowing that we're going to win. I I I've watched the movie Remembering the Titans. I don't know how many times. And each football game when they come away the winners i'm i'm just there like yes i know how the movie ends i know they i know they win i know what's going to happen but boy there's excitement there's there's a certain sense of joy knowing knowing that you're going to win in the end i think that's what james is saying here man it, it's not going to be easy james james isn't writing to say hey 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 it's all going to get better you're not going to have any problems life's good no he's he's real He's real. You're, you're going to have trials, but God's going to use them. You're going to have temptations, but God's going to give you the victory. Would you stand as we pray this morning? Father, we thank you that you know our hearts. And Father, even though our hearts sometimes are wrong, sometimes we doubt, sometimes we struggle. Father, sometimes we, we're ready to to throw in the towel sometimes father we're ready to just turn our back on you you know our hearts and you still love us and you promise to give us the victory father we thank you uh, that the church the churches that james wrote to while while going through struggles found hope in you father there's ones here today that are going through trials there's ones here today that are being tempted lord uh, stand beside them Be their strength, be their help, be their victor. In Jesus' name.